Gospel according to Mark, the 10th chapter. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside, begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. This is the gospel of the Lord. How good to be in this pulpit and see faces other than just a few for the first time in a year and a half. It is Good to be here this morning. The first time that I was in Berlin was in 1988 when the Iron Curtain was still a thing. While some of you might remember the Cold War, others perhaps have learned about it in history class. I remember well the terror of going through Checkpoint Charlie as a sophomore in high school with exactly one year of German language under my belt. I was on a high school trip with 12 other students and we were driving from West Berlin into East Berlin and like everybody else, we were stopped at Checkpoint Charlie. First, armed guards and police dogs searched our bus while we were still on it and we watched them silently and nervously. And then we were interviewed one at a time by armed guards asking us in German about our business in East Berlin. Anticipating such interrogation, we had practiced our answers in German dozens of times. I was 16 at the time, and I still remember how horrified I was. A few days later, we returned to West Berlin. I will never forget looking at the west side of the Berlin Wall and seeing the memorials of 140 people who had died trying to escape East Berlin. Some tried to swim out. Some tried to escape by being stuffed into cars. Some tried to hot air balloon over the border while others tried to tunnel under it. All told, more than 600 people died trying to escape East Germany between the years 1961 and 1988. But all that changed. On November 9th, 1989, when the wall came down, a month later, at Christmas time, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony rang out from both sides of this crumbling wall, conducted by Leonard Bernstein. 
well, I visited Berlin several times after that. Fast forward to 2015, when Doug and I took our honeymoon to Europe, spent a few days in Berlin. Berlin had been a united city for 27 years by then. The Kafirstendam Boulevard bustled with metropolitan traffic and pedestrians and upscale shopping. There were traces of where the wall once stood, a metal line running through Berlin streets of where the wall had once divided their city markers indicating where tunnels once had been dug, Checkpoint Charlie remaining a tourist attraction with t-shirts for sale. In my mind, it is still staggering that so much fear and death and division created by the construction of a wall are gone. When the wall fell, Germany began to see herself with new eyes, not without enormous challenges, but eyes wide open to a new vision of a unified country. Jericho, if you recall from the book of Joshua, also has a history of walls being built and walls falling. Whether the cause of the famous destruction of the walls surrounding the city was due to an earthquake or the result of seven days of shouting and the blowing of rams, horns by Joshua and his army, there is archaeological evidence supporting the fact that this great wall did indeed fall. Today we discover Jesus and his crew entering Jericho, and our ears perk up remembering the dramatic fall of her famous wall noted in the book of Joshua. They've just come from Jerusalem, and along the way there's the usual stuff. Jesus is predicting his execution. The rich are being called out on the carpet. Some of the disciples with inflated senses of selves demand that Jesus give them whatever they want. In other words, it's a variation of the theme of the usual semi-controlled mayhem that accompanies Jesus and his troop as they move from place to place. And then they come to Jericho. And they hang out for a while. As is typically the case, by the time they're ready to leave that town, Jesus has attracted quite a large crowd. And as this crowd noisily exits the city, a man calls out to Jesus. His name is Bartimaeus. People try to shut him up, but he persists. And above the din and the racket of the crowd, Jesus hears him. Bring him to me, he says. They bring the man to Jesus. What do you want? Jesus asks, I want to see, replies Bartimaeus. Your faith has healed you. Now open your eyes and see, says Jesus. And the man sees and follows Jesus in the crowd and joins them on the road leaving Jericho. Oh, Jericho. Beloved Jericho, once again, your walls have fallen. Once again, your societal division between insiders and outsiders has crumbled. Once again, eyes are open to the kingdom of God, where division and delineation do not exist. Instead of marching to an old beat of an old drum, Jericho opens her eyes to a new vision of reality, where the unclean become clean, where the silenced are heard, and where the outcast suddenly belongs. It seems, then, that faith destroys walls. 
not builds them. So it's a difficult thing and a complicated thing these days for Christians to confess. As we read this week, that our own country detained more than 1.7 million migrants along our Mexican border during the 2021 fiscal year, which just ended in September, and arrests by our own border patrol soared to the highest levels ever recorded, according to the U.S. Customs and Border Protection data obtained by the Washington Post. For our nation that claims to be one under God, we must pause to think about this. Is this simply a case of you can't turn a ship on a dime, referring to fallout from the policies of our former president's administration? Or is it a continuation of our country's ongoing struggles with what it means for us today to welcome the world's tired, poor, huddled masses who long to breathe free, the wretched refuse of teeming shores? What do we do with walls that we ourselves have created? And what do we as Christians do with lines that we have drawn as a country, as a church, as individuals? How can we see these things with new eyes? It is time to embrace the healing power of faith so that vision can be restored. I'm not speaking of this from a political perspective or an economic perspective. I am neither a politician nor an economist, but as a pers person of faith and as a preacher, is it not time to pray for an end to blindness? I'm not speaking only literally of times when glaucoma, macular degeneration, cataracts, etc., are treated and in some cases healed, but also speaking figuratively of times when personal, even spiritual vision is restored. An example. Some of you know that Doug and I traveled to St. Louis last Sunday to see Andre Bocelli perform live in concert. Now, you have, have possibly your own critical or disparaging opinions about opera and about Andre Bocelli. And you're free to have your own opinions about opera in general, and Bocelli in particular, so long as your opinions are positive. This is the only time I will ever quote Celine Dion in a sermon or anywhere else in my life. But she said, if God would have a singing voice, he would sound an awful lot like Andre Bocelli. Yes, I got to hear my favorites like Nessun Dorma and Conte Partivro. I got to hear the St. Louis Symphony Orchestra explode the venue with O Fortuna from Carmina Burana and got to see Bocelli's nine-year-old daughter sing Leonard Cohen's Alleluia with him, and I bawled like a toddler. I also got to see the St. Louis Symphony Orchestra's own cellist, Ayana Witter-Johnson, sing Sting's Roxanne, in a stunning display of sensuality and extraordinary talent. But it was when Bocelli sang Amazing Grace that I thought about today's gospel. Because Bocelli was born with congenital glaucoma and has been completely blind since the age of 12. Maybe I was the only one last Sunday night in the Enterprise Center in St. Louis thinking about this gospel from Mark. But as I looked around at wealthy people wearing tuxedos 
in formal dresses and also at younger people wearing sweatpants and ball caps and carrying little babies. They realized this is a modern, very earthly vision of the kingdom of God that Mark is seeking to illustrate in his telling of the story of Bartimaeus. But Bocelli couldn't see his audience and had no way of knowing that some nibbled brie and sipped champagne while others ate nachos and drank Budweiser. He had no way of knowing that for some, this was just another Sunday night. Well, for others, this was the result of years' worth of saving. And yet, even in his blindness, he is able to see beyond himself, which is true vision. Besides appealing to young and old, rich and poor, besides sharing the stage with pop artists and jazz musicians and country singers, he established the Andre Bocelli Foundation, which in nine years has built nine schools in Haiti, has provided 8,000 people with basic health care in the poorest regions of Haiti, has provided safe drinking water to half a million people in Haiti, and so on. And so when Andre Bocelli sings, I was blind, but now I see, he believes it. And I believed it. Just this past Friday, two days ago, I took Christian to Luther College, Go Norse, for a campus visit, and I watched him play with the jazz band and saw him run with the cross-country team and observed him interact with faculty and staff, and I realized, oh, my own blindness, that's a tough one to come to terms with, to be blind to the reality that my boys are no longer boys. On Friday, something happened. Vision was new in my eyes, and my eyes are open to the truth that they are one by one launching themselves into this world. And then I looked at them with fresh vision, Christian and Jake and Philip, as young adults, which is what they are no longer boys, but men, preparing to leave the nest and pursue their own path in life. Sometimes it's wrenching to see a familiar sight with new eyes and unexpected, fresh vision. We are all blind in some capacity. We are all either unable or unwilling or incapable of seeing another human being for who they really are or another situation for what it really is. What are we afraid of? Letting go of old expectations or the possibility of being surprised by the unexpected? Why did the crowds try to shut up Bartimaeus? Were they afraid that Jesus would ignore him and things would go on in the world as they always have? Or were they afraid that Jesus would hear him and their world would be turned upside down? Jesus heard him. And the world was turned upside down. And the world was turned upside down because Jesus had mercy on the man Bartimaeus. We have all received the same mercy from Jesus, the same mercy that Bartimaeus cries out for from the shadows of the streets of Jericho. And who knows what then becomes of him 
Once he has been heard and healed by Jesus, who knows what mercy Bartimaeus then extends to others throughout the course of his life, having been a recipient of mercy himself. Who knows what walls Bartimaeus goes on to knock down, having been one who had existed for so long on the wrong side of the wall. Who ever knows the ripple effect of showing grace to others as we ourselves have been shown grace by God? Who knows what sight, what vision we are capable of once we grasp in our hearts the love and the mercy that has been showered on us and on all people. Who knows what it might mean to have sight restored, eyes open, to finally and fully see and celebrate someone whose skin color is different from my own, whose sexual orientation is different from my own, whose income is lower or higher than my own, whose address is maybe undesirable or better than my own, whose occupation is maybe undignified, whose lot in life landed them on the other side of the wall or border or boundary. What are the kingdom options for inclusivity then? Once sight and vision are restored, they are infinite, even as God is infinite. Anytime the blind see something or someone in a new light, there is sight, there is vision, there is grace, and there is God. Amen.